Welcome to the hashtag Faring Pod. At Faring, people come first. My name is Zoya Mabuto Mugoditwa, and in today's episode, we are going to be discussing adult nocturia. It's really about understanding how your bladder works. I am honored to be joined by Professor Shingai Mutambirwa. And he joins us from Sifako Makato Health Sciences University in Pretoria. And of course, um, you know, in today's conversation, joined by the prof, we are going to be unpacking this topic and sharing some insights around, uh, you know, adult nocturia and hopefully uh, getting to the place where we can understand ways in which one can regain a better quality of life. So a warm welcome to you, doctor, th- not doctor, prof. <laughs> a warm welcome to you, prof. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. No, thank you so much Zoya, for the invitation and thank you to Faring for the opportunity as well. And maybe, uh, prof, just to get us started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Take us through, you know, what does your occupation entail? Okay, yeah. Um, we're urologists, which always uh, people think are just men doctors because we, 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 we do a lot with uh, male um, problems such as erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation and things like that, but, and prostates. But the thing is that we actually, uh, the surgical aspect of the general, uh, you, you, what we call uro, urological system, which would be the kidneys, the bladder, uh, the prostate, and because women obviously have bladders as well. So about 20, 30% of our work is with females, like for example, with urinary tract infections, uh, problems with rushing to the toilet and wetting yourself. If you get kidney stones, both men and women are getting the, all of these, uh, uh conditions to, as well. Uh, but, and then we also, because of in the, on the male side, we deal with things like, uh, testicular problems, particularly, uh, for, the the listeners may be about like for for example fertility because remember uh when it comes to fertility um about 50% of the time if they have problems having babies which is about 15% of of all patients in the world or people who are trying to have uh, babies in the world 50% it's going to be female but in 50% it's male and we have to assess uh things like for example what this the what the semen uh, analysis is which is basically looking under the microscope to see how many sperm and things are down there because the reality is about less than 1% of what a guy ejaculates is actually uh, sperm. So that's part of our job as well. But a lot of it is interrelated with uh, general practitioners work as well. Okay, so it's quite a it's quite a bit then. I'm hoping that we'll unpack some of it. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I'm I'm thinking about the fact that you're quite right. First and foremost, when I think about somebody who's a urologist, I typically kind of in my mind mm. picture sort of male somebody who deals with the male organs, etc. So I think it's important that we're quite clear from the get go that this is a conversation for men and women. Oh, yes. It's 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 applicable to everybody. Oh yes. So so doc, we're talking today about adult nocturia. Yeah. And I think maybe let's just have an understanding of what is it? What is adult nocturia? And then we'll unpack sort of what's involved. Okay. Essentially, when uh, we, we, we go to sleep, because noc- nocto- nocturia is part of, uh, is, is Greek for night. And uh, anything to do with, with noct means that it's at night. And uh, night for some guys might be during, or some people might be during the day if they're doing shift work at night. But the point is that it's about when you go to sleep. And uh, essentially what happens normally in our body is that uh, at night our kidneys are, are told by a specific chemical in the brain called ADH or antidiuretic hormone vasopressin to stop making too much urine. 
just so that we don't have to wake up and our bladder doesn't get full too too much. It also affects the uh, the the this the salivary glands, which is your mouth. So that's why you get dry mouth when you sleep as well. And it also affects the um, the eyes and stops you having tearing as well. So it works on a number of things, but it's important to prevent uh, issues going at night, basically. Uh, and what happens uh, is that if, if you are waking up um, more than two times at night and it's bothering you, and I think that's the biggest issue if mm. it's bother, because some people like waking up for various reasons at night. But if you're waking up at more than two times at night because you feel like you have to go to pass urine at night, that's called nocturia. And it's a big issue because the problem is that it's extremely common first of all mm. uh we know that it's uh it's it, it happens it, it happens more as we get older and uh but looking from about the age of 40 depending on which data you're talking about it's anywhere between 15 and 60 percent of adults both male and female are having nocturia and it's a severely bothersome condition because the point is that it causes people not to be able to fall back to sleep causes daytime sleepiness it causes mm. uh, major issues like for example in the elderly particularly that uh, that if they are waking up a lot at night rushing to the toilet uh, they can have falls and and we know that one of the biggest um, mortalities for got, for elderly is if they do have a fall and they have a hip fracture, we know that within a year, 50% of them are going to die. And so I don't think it's not a Mickey Mouse condition. A lot of people think it's just natural for aging. And it does happen because of aging, but it needs to be addressed because it's got significant consequences for quality of life as well as for general longevity. I mean, it's so interesting, Doc. I'm thinking about myself. I keep saying Doc, Prof. It's so interesting, <laughs> um, Same Prof. Thing. Same thing. It, it's so interesting for me because I'm somebody who typically wakes up at least once uh, during the night, yeah. and so I'm wondering about myself. I'm wondering, you know, would this be classified as as nocturia? And then, of course, you you, you did unpack it for us to say if there is some kind of concern, it bothers yeah. me. Um, and I think that's important as a distinction to make because the average person might say, actually, I do wake up, yeah. uh, you know, in the middle of the night once or twice or just once. That's right. Um, I think I think let's let's maybe go into into the more technical sort of yeah. aspects and and let's let's break it down, mm-hmm. starting with how does the urinary system actually work. Right. Uh, it's actually pretty simple in general. What's happening when we're, we're most of what are, are the main organs that are involved in, and, uh, in, in getting urine out. And urine basically is just one of the two main aspects of how to clean your blood. Uh, one is the liver. It does things to, to remove some bits and pieces. And then the kidneys remove a lot of the salts and other things in the bloodstream. And uh, essentially, the kidneys are the ones who are filtering all of the bits and pieces from the blood. Uh, then the urine then is created in the in the in the kidney it then goes down through a tube called the uh, ureter it's a long about 40 30 40 centimeter tube that goes to the bladder and then it chills out in the bladder and the bladder's job is basically is two things it's to store urine uh, which is its, which is most of its time what it's doing and then it's to e- empty the bladder as well which we call voiding and uh, all of these are relatively coordinated and uh, it's it's as I said the majority of the time the bladder is just storing urine uh, and uh, I mean actually in a 24-hour period the average person is only passing urine for about two to three minutes in the whole 24 hours so it's it's really the storage that's a big issue now 
the the thing is with the urinary system is that it's coordinated by different nerves. It's coordinated by um, the skin covering inside the bladder. It's controlled also by some of the muscles that are around the bladder, which because the bladder is essentially like a balloon with muscle around it. And all of these things have to have correct coordination. You have to have you know how much urine is going down, how mm. much is being cleaned. You have to know what the ureters are doing. You have to know what the bladder is doing. You have to know coordinate the muscles of the bladder with the what we call the sphincters, which is the, the, the muscles that stop you wetting yourself. And then if you have any imbalances in this, that can cause uh, major urological problems. And I think the biggest ones are uh, that, 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 if, that we're, we essentially, which we're talking about is about, about urinary incontinence, uh, which is wetting yourself basically, mm. and um, going very frequently to the toilet and nocturia. Those are the biggest issues for the vast majority of patients who, or people who have a problem with their urinary system. And, and so, you know, in my understanding of the system that works together, um, you know, uh, I'm curious about, so, so how is the system then affected by nocturia? nocturia? So, so what happens to that system that you've just described in the presence of nocturia? Yeah. I think when we're breaking down nocturia, there's essentially four things that can be, four way, four problems that can be caused nocturia. Uh, one is what we call noctur- nocturnal polyuria, to polyuria, which means just a lot of urine at night. And, uh, that's by far the commonest cause of the, of, of the problem. That would be, um, it's, it's about 75% of people who have nocturia. It's because of this. And this is based essentially on the blood, that chemical uh, vasopressin ADH in the brain uh, not being produced. The second is what we call global polyuria, which means that it does, it's not just an increase in urine at night, but it, or the whole day you're having a problem with urine. And that can be caused by various things. Like, for example, if you've got a problem with your heart where your heart's not beating properly and you've got congestion and full congestive cardiac failure or something, that can cause you to keep passing urine. And there's drugs and there's lots of other things that can cause that as well. Uh, the third one is uh, what we call um, essentially overactive bladder, which is another extremely common condition. Um, it happens, again, in probably at about 50 to 60 percent of people at some stage, both both male and female in their life. This is the thing where you keep saying that, listen, I, I, you keep going to the toilet very more frequently than other people for, and it bothers you again. And, but you're not passing out a lot of urine. You just keep going there. And that's, uh, it's not directly related to nocturia, except in some cases, because again, the majority are going to be the nocturnal polyuria because of the ADH. But the point is that it's, it is one of the, imp- it impacts and usually we can dis- discriminate because we know that the, the guys who have overactive bladder have, uh, or ladies have have overactive bladder have the problem both day and night. Mm. But with, uh, with nocturia, it's usually just only at night. Okay. Oh. But so we have to sort of tease that out when we're talking to them. And the last one is essentially to do with uh, the capacity, how big the bladder is. The bladder is a relatively large organ. It, ca- it c- contains, it depends on how, how old you are, obviously, but anywhere between, uh, you can maintain about between 200 and 500 mils, um, of, of, of milliliters of, of urine before you have to be, avoid. But if you've either had a bladder which where you're not emptying your bladder, properly, for example, if a prostate, because the prostate's like a, it's like a little um, gland that's sitting just below the bladder in men. And what it does is it's supposed, it produces uh, uh, about 30% of what a guy ejaculates and it does get bigger as we get older and it starts to block up. If you have any blockages along the pipes, you're not going to empty your bladder so well. Mm. So it's going to fill up quicker. And that's the capacity then is an issue. But sometimes there can even actually be other issues, like, for example, in patients who have uh, or people who have um, uh, spinal cord injuries or uh, TB of the bladder, you can get a small 
size of the bladder. It's much less than the, the, the four, the up to 500 mils that you can do. And then that can also cause uh, nocturia. But usually these symptoms can be teased out. And I think the important thing, uh, is for you to get to see some, to go and see your, your, your treating physician. It doesn't have to be a urologist. Your G, uh, GPs and the nursing practitioners are excellent people mm. to deal with this. They can usually tease out what's that, what to, how to, which one of these things is the problem. Uh, usually just by what, what we call the history, asking questions, mm. a bit of an examination. And then sometimes we, when we do a urine test, which is just usually a stick just to make sure there's no blood or infection and things, stuff in urine. And then after that, there are some specialized tests and some uh, questionnaires that we sometimes apply to get the information. Okay. So, so I'm, I, I want to go back a little bit, a couple mm. of steps, because in listening to what you're saying, I'm getting the sense that nocturnal Polyuria. Polyuria. Yeah. Um, could, could, could have multiple causes. Yeah. Um, I, I heard you talk about the prostate. So there mm. could be sort of a prostate issue. Uh, you also made mention of other sort of potential, yeah. you know, underlying symptoms or, or causes rather. Yeah. I'm curious about what are some of those causes and we might not be able to get to all of them, but typically what do we see? Okay. Yeah. I think when you come, again, this is going to be when we're doing the investigations and we often do, um, what we call a, a, a fluid, avoiding uh, chart where we find how much you're, eat, you're drinking and then also find out how much you're urinating. But the vast majority of nocturnal polyureas were picked up by that. So that one, and, and those are being caused by a low ADH. Mm. The other ones, these, the, 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 when you have urine all the time, you're going passing, you're passing lots of urine all the time. Uh, we have to do general examinations because there are multiple things. There are literally thousands of things that can cause it from, uh, medications to things that you were born with where your kidneys are not, uh, uh things like, for example, diabetes, a form of diabetes, the you called it diabetes insipidus. But there are multiple things that can cause, um, you to pass urine a lot the whole day. But the one for night is almost always just ADH. Mm. The, when it comes to the rushing to the toilet, uh, which it usually is both day and night, and we there are essentially three issues that can cause that. But the, by far the most common is one we call idiopathic, which means we don't really know what co the cause is, but we, uh, but we, 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 it's very common. And that's just the bladder overworking for our purposes. Mm. To, and that one can, it can overwork during the day and during the night, but you're not going to be passing out large volumes of urine, like with global polyuria. Uh, with the small size of the bladder is based a lot more on, uh, investigations that we do, usually something called an ultrasound scan. Uh, it's a, it uses sound to make, to look at the kidneys and the bladder size. And that one, uh, often has to, you have to look back and find out whether there's something wrong with the nerves or mm. what's going on. So it gets a bit complicated, but I think again, for the, for, for the, for people who are listening out and they're laymen, uh, the vast majority are going to be caused by, uh, nocturnal polyuria, which is going to be based on that chemical vasopressin. And, and what causes that low ADH? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good question. But, uh, again, we don't really know. Okay. We think we, we it, it's partly due, we think it's partly due to the aging process. It can be based a lot on the nerve changes as we get older, for example. Uh, that's why even patients with Alzheimer's and other, um, and dementia also are much more likely to have, uh, basically all urological problems, including, uh, uh, uh nocturia. Uh, but the, the thing is that the, the physiological reason why it happens we're not too sure we mm. think it might just be uh because of uh changes in our general mental changes basically yeah i mean thank you doctor i think for me that's sort of helped me to understand mm. um you know 
that that I suppose if somebody says, I suspect I might have this, mm. that one of the most important things to do is to try and go and get a sense of what of whether there might be any underlying conditions. Right. And I think that's what's coming through exactly, for me. Exactly. So if you if you're sitting at you know at home listening to this and you have a sense that mm. you might be suffering from nocturnal Polyuria. Polyuria. <laughs> I keep getting stuck with that. <laughs> just call it nocturia. Let's just say nocturia because I think across the board, it doesn't, when it comes to nocturia, it has to be teased out because even though the majority are going to be the nocturnal polyurias, uh, all of these conditions, all of the four that I've talked about can be, have some really nasty things that are causing it as well. Mm. So you have to get it checked out. There's, mm. I mean, even some forms of cancer can cause similar problems as well. So you have to get yourself checked out. Don't mm. think it's just a normal thing of aging. Um, and remember that it, it, it's, it's also related to some things that you're born with as well. For mm. example, um, I think you've had a previous podcast about, uh, enuresis, which is bedwetting at night. Uh, it's exactly the same chemical that causes the, that is low in children who have uh, enuresis. And we know that 70 to 80% of patients who have uh, bedwetting uh, are have a family member who had the same thing. And so, so one of the things that's quite exciting at the moment is we're doing t- uh, trials on, on genetic changes to actually influence uh, the, the bedwetting, but also even nocturia. It's going to be applied there eventually as well because we suspect that some of those might actually be genetic changes that are causing the decrease in uh, the ADH. The ADH. Yeah. Okay. So doctor, let's move to the following question. And for me, I'm sitting with kind of, so what are some of the symptoms? How does it present? How do I know for sure that, you know, this isn't just a, a regular case of Zoya who's used to waking <laughs> up at a particular time, uh, yeah. you know, in the night to go to the bathroom? Yeah. What are some of the symptoms? The symptoms usually are just the thing that you're waking up more than twice at night. And the thing is that when it comes to that, it's again about bother because some people are don't have a problem with it. I think if you have other symptoms, like for example, if urine is burning or you're having daytime problems of wetting yourself or you've seen blood in the urine, which is a big sign, you have to be careful about that, then you have to get yourself checked out because there can be something really nasty. But if you're waking up more than twice at night and it's bothering you, it's making you have difficulty passing your getting back to sleep and remember i think uh, the, the there's a big there's not not a big distinction but there's a distinction between insomnia not not being able to sleep and uh nocturnal enuresis um it it's nocturnal sorry uh, nocturia it, they're interrelated but they're not exactly the same and so if you are waking up because you need to go to the toilet we and pass urine you're feeling like your bladder is full that's usually nocturia. If you're just waking up because you, you just wake up anyways too many times at night or you don't go to sleep enough, but you go to the toilet just because you're awake, that would be basically insomnia. But th- both of them are intertwined because both mm. of them can imp- impact on each other. But I think the important thing for the listeners is that if they fee- are waking up more, more than once or twice at night and it's bothering them, they should go and get themselves checked out because mm. all of these teasing outs about what, how, which of these different things are causing it is really up to the, the treating physician to find out and then they can make that call. 
And doctor, maybe just thinking, I mean, I'm a mother to yeah. to, to little children mm. and uh, I've got a little one who likes to drink water. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just before she goes mm. to bed, which typically means that she doesn't sleep her four, six to eight hours mm. and will need to wake up to yeah. go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I'm wondering about about those, you know, those those those, those examples, those yeah. dynamics. Yeah. Uh, I also think about how um, because mm. I'm somebody who sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night either to work or whatever, I will then go to the bathroom. Yeah. Some, some of those behavioral patterns. That's At right. which stage is, I mean, could they cause nocturia? Oh, yeah. I think the, it's such a great question, sorry, because the, what we're talking about is, uh, and because you're, what you're really touching on is, is the, one of the mainstays of treatment for patients who have nocturia. And the thing is that if you are drinking a lot of fluid, caffeine as well, um, beer, for example, or, or whiskey, which also, by the way, the reason why guys rush to the toilet and women and women rush to the toilet when they, they're drinking alcohol is because it's still blocking the same chemical. That's what it's why it's called, why people rush to the toilet. So, um, but, so all of these things can make you wake up at night. Again, it's about bother. Mm. If it's bothering the, the child, then you have to start with the first line treatments for including for nocturia, in fact, and, and all, which is basically behavioral changes. Mm. You have to talk about not drinking fluids for a period before you go to sleep. Don't drink so much alcohol or don't and don't drink uh, too much tea or coffee before you go to sleep. All of these things are important. But I think if you, if, if, if you, what fluids are so important for, 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 for our health and the general, well, like for our life to live basically, that I wouldn't say that if somebody's comfortable about uh, drinking a, a liter or two before they go to sleep and they're willing to wake up at night once or twice, and it, and they but they really it doesn't bother them, then there's no issues. But obviously, if it is bothering them, that is a cause of nocturia, and that's what we have to tease out to find out why, why people are getting this, then they have to start doing those behavioral changes. And then after the behavioral changes, if it is nocturnal polyuria, uh, there, there, there are a number of treatments that we use now for uh, for, for nocturnal polyuria. But uh, uh, by far and away, the most important, as I said, is that the it's if ADH is low, which is in 75 to 80% of people who have nocturnal polyuria, mm. then we discuss about putting them on, on giving them a supplement of the same chemical before they go to sleep. And the one that we use, it's, it is, we call it, uh, it's, again, it's arginine basopressin or ADH or whatever you want to call it, and direct hormone. But what we usually do is just give a tablet just before they go to sleep. Um, it shuts it does what the brain the the area of the brain called the pituitary is supposed to be doing and it stops them waking up we're producing a lot of urine which then stops them going to the toilet at night the uh, the main issue if you are going to be taking these medications for nocturnal polyuria is that you do have to monitor the uh, one of the salts in the body that's sodium which is part of sodium chloride which is salt uh and it can go down and we usually tell the patients we will we we, we instruct the patients that they mustn't drink any fluids for an hour before they're going to take the medication because it can make you retain fluids and give you problems and increase the amount of uh, low sodium in your body as well. Um, if it's uh, the, the, the rushing to the toilet, which is uh, the overactive bladder that we're talking about, um, well, there are lots of treatments for that as well. Sometimes mm. we have to mix and match, by the way, all of these treatments. But usually with the overactive bladder, again, we change the behavior, behavioral changes for the patient. But the next step for medications are usually what we call anticholinergics, which are basically, they relax the bladder muscles or uh, be 
beta-3 agonists, uh, which also relax the bladder muscles, but in a slightly different way. And those are the mainstays of medical treatment for patients. If you've got um, global polyurea, we have to find the underlying cause. Because as I said, there can be really some life-threatening things. Like, for example, if you've got heart failure, then we have to treat the heart failure. That's what we're going to do. We, or we give uh, things to get rid of the urine uh, during the day and that sort of thing. If they, if it's because of a small volume of the bladder, like, for example, if it's, it's not emptying properly or because the prostate is enlarged, we usually give prostate medications and things that help, or we sometimes have to do surgical managements. But again, it depends on which of these are, which of these they are. And, but, but as I said, by far the vast majority are going to be the ones caused by ADH for the majority of patients. And I mean, I'm hearing here that you're speaking to the global, um, polyuria yeah. um, and and making reference to prostate etc does it present differently in men and women essentially not for nocturia okay. because the thing is that when you have the noct- uh, 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 nocturnal polyuria uh, it's pretty much similar that they are having they wake up a lot and they don't have any other symptoms during the day and that sort of thing and it's just mainly about that but the thing is that when it comes to overactive bladder for example which is another cause of noct- of, 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 of nocturia um, it, the difference for males and females is really more about whether they can control and not wet themselves we know that it's pretty much equal for both men and women uh, and again, as I said, about 50-60% of, of people over the age of 60, but uh, females are more likely to wet themselves uh, when they're having rushing to the toilet than males because we've got our prostate there. Uh, when it comes to difficulty passing urine and the capacity of the bladder, it's more likely in men because that's mainly a lot to do with their prostate because every, every guy after about the age of 40 is going to get an enlargement of this prostate. Remember that it's also um, it's a common site for cancers in men after skin cancer mm. and it is prostate cancer uh, Awareness Month, and I'm a founding member of the Prostate Cancer Foundation, so I have to put it out there that people, please, guys over the age of 40, please get yourself checked. You really don't need the blood test called a PSA. But if you do have the problems passing urine, it's more likely in men. Uh, when it comes to global polyuria, it's equal between men and females because it's the underlying causes are pretty much the same medical conditions for the vast majority of people. Okay. And then, doctor, I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about you know, other associated health conditions yeah. that, that one then needs to be. And I think you've touched on it. Yeah. And I'm probably asking us to, no, no, just to, to go down that road a little bit more. Reinforce. Um, now let's reinforce some of those yeah. uh, associated, uh, quite serious health conditions. And I know That's you've it. spoken about uh, prostate cancer. What other health conditions are associated? Okay. I think it's. Again, a very big issue because the point is that there's so many other uh, parts of, of, of general health that can impact uh, nocturia. And I think I always like to say that going for almost everything in medicine is interrelated. If you're not taking good general care of your health, mm. it's going to increase your nocturia. If you if you have nocturia, it's going to impact on your good general health as well. So I think the first thing is for us to always do the big five. Even if you've got, uh, if nocturia is your main problem, still go for the big five. We were in Africa. We know that we've got the big five. We've also got the little five. They're also lovely little things. But that is a bit of exercise. Exercise improves your general health, decreases your cancer risk, decreases your risk of getting nocturia, especially if you become, if you have get obesity, because that's a big issue for a lot of people. Uh, for, for essentially 30% of the South African population, which is not great. It's the same as almost as the, the leading co- country with obesity, which is Mexico currently. We were number one in t- 2012. Need to change that. So 
little bit of uh, that that's the first thing the diet and it's not about the what you're eating it's the numbers of calories you have to decrease the numbers of calories i'll give an example that um uh if you were to take your plate for example to your grandmother's house you'll find they won't fit in the cupboards because our plate size has increased by 50 percent in the last 30 years Calories numbers are the issue. Cut back on that. Number three, and I don't want to pontificate, but it's smoking. Smoking is probably the most important uh, social decision that anyone can make. It, it it impacts every aspect of your health. It increases your cancer risk. It increases your cancer, the chances of, of heart disease. It increases your chances of lung disease. It, it in- increases your chances of nocturia. So again, please uh, try to con- assess that. Uh, the fourth is, I think, one of the ones which is really underrepresented, which is stress. I don't think people understand how much stress is not a Mickey Mouse condition. Mm-hmm. They say that 80% of people in, the, in, in South Africa currently are under ma- massive stress, partly because of COVID, but also other aspects. Get it treated. It's not a Mickey Mouse condition. It actually is releasing chemicals into your body, which mm-hmm. are actually causing you to have... Um, heart attacks, strokes, cancers, and nocturia is also increased by stress as well. So you have to address that. And then the fourth is just any sort of um, excess of any sort of uh, medication or drug. I have not, got no issues particularly about any drug, to be honest. Um, I, I think that you know, all drugs should be legalized. I like the Portuguese example of where, what they've done. It doesn't seem to increase the chances that people are going to take it up, but you have to make a choice. And you everything in life has choices. So for example, uh, I might go for a beer after that, uh, after the, 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 this, the, this podcast, and then <laughs> it might make me rush to the toilet. It's my choice as well, but try to do things in, lim- in, in, in limitations. Then mm. there are other aspects that are also that are important. Remember, uh, after the big five, there's so many other parts of your life and health that's going to impact on whether you're going to no- have nocturia and how it's going to bother you. There are things like, for example, obstructive sleep apnea. It's a big name, but all, basically it's the snoring at night that people mm-hmm. have when they're a bit overweight. It's actually causing damage, ca- causing your ADH to go down, which then can cause you more um, uh, nocturia. But it's also causing you to get heart failure, heart attacks, increases your cancer risk. And, of course, just to make sure the guys out there, particularly because females are a little bit more they're, 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 are, are, are cleverer than guys, your erections, dudes, they get, the sex is going to be a problem as well if you have any of these conditions, including nocturia. Nocturia can impact massively on, 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 on sex, sexual, both for men and for females as well. But also, I think one of the biggest aspects for, for us is that um, nocturia can cause death. And it's death not because of the waking up and not at, at the Europe, the nocturia, but it's because of the consequences. Whether mm. you, what the causes are, those can kill you. What the uh, the aspects of when you're waking up, for example, like I said, the falls mm. that can kill you. So this is not a, the nocturia is not a Mickey Mouse condition. You have to get it addressed, particularly if it's bothering you. But even if it's not bothering you a little bit, if you're noticing changes and you're worried, go and get yourself checked out. It makes a huge impact on your life. I mean, I love that last point, uh, Prof, about about the fact that it, it it can be easy to think that nocturia is is a Mickey Mouse condition because, uh, you know, this has become part of kind of my yeah. everyday. I wake up twice, um, and yet that interrupted sleep pattern exactly. can have a significant impact, you know, oh, yeah. uh, in terms of my overall quality of life. And I think that's an important point oh, yeah. uh, that, that you've made there. Doc, let's talk, about, not doc, prof. prof <laughs> <Relax>. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, you know, at what point does a person need to consult a healthcare professional? And then who would be the first point of contact? Again, I think you did mention this high level yeah. when we initially started the conversation, but let's just go into, into it a little bit more. Okay. So basically, I, I think I'm going to take a step back here and just um, talk about um, 
longevity between children and adults when it comes to males and females. Up to the age of 16, both males and females have a similar longevity and, and chances of getting cancer, dying or whatever to each other. Uh, but after 16, uh, guys on average have six years less chances of living, uh, years of life than females. And there are a number of different things. Obviously, there are hormones and this, that, and other. But one of the big ones is that up to 16, and this is, this is published data that up to 16, both males and females are under their guardian or parents or whatever control. And they are going to say, listen, you're sick. Let's go to the doctor. Let's go get checked out. You're not feeling well. Both of them do it. After 16, as guys, we start thinking, oh, no, ah, if I'm not feeling sick, why bother? I'm going to just, ah, I'll wait. We do more dangerous things and that sort of thing. But one of the things that we don't go in, we see our, our, our treating physicians five times less than females. Females are much cleverer in, in general because they think, oh, obviously, my parents are not morons. So I'm going to go and see my doctor on a yearly basis or every second year or when I'm sick. But guys just say, oh, no, no, no. And that's one of the reasons why we die younger. So I think... One of the things for any person out there who's got any sort of condition is if there are changes in your body, get yourself checked. Mm. It's not difficult. Mm. And I even say, to make it simple, once a year, everybody, and even from young people, you go and see a physician. Get yourself checked up. Diabetes can happen in young people. High blood pressure can happen for various reasons. And if it happens in younger people, it's often related to some nasty things like growths in the kidney and stuff like that, which are damaging things. So I think the first thing is that if you feel anything, if you see some changes, just get yourself checked out. Mm. It's not that difficult. Literally five, ten minutes. Uh, you can, it, it, the, the state hospitals, I work at a state hospital. I know we're overrun by lots of things. We've got all lots of issues, but you can get it done for free. Don't be stressing yourself. Go to your clinic. The nursing sisters there and the, and the physicians are so, uh, they're so good at what they do and they, they're so dedicated to the vast majority. Just get yourself checked out. Don't take anything lightly and just make sure that you take care of your health. I've got a bit of a funny story around around mm. that one exactly. My husband recently had to go into hospital yeah. and we were reflecting on how I have gone into hospital in the time that we've known each other. Mm. I probably have gone into hospital at least six times and he was going in for the first time for a particular procedure. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, it makes sense. Um, you know, that my my dad, um, yeah. my father-in-law went into hospital um, at quite an advanced age yeah. and you know he didn't he didn't make it yeah. and he said it's because typically i think as males we don't actually go and get ourselves checked out until we absolutely have to and by then it's it's it's, it's late sometimes oh you've got a good husband uh, obviously so, well done so this is the conversation we had recently so i'm sitting here nodding going i absolutely go. hear you spot that's on it, that's it. and i think really to the to the to the people who the males who are listening i think it's that further encouragement to say don't don't wait mm. um you know prioritize your health and those annual checkups and i think we've been reiterating this yeah. um, across the series of podcasts. Those annual checkups are important. Yeah. Uh, once you sense that something is not right with your body, you know your body, um, mm. you know, don't hesitate. Go to, uh, you know, a healthcare professional who can assist you. That's it. So really appreciating that we continue to reinforce that message around to. general yeah. a good practice when it yeah. comes to our health. Yeah, because most of these, most of the conditions uh, don't actually even have symptoms, at least nocturia. You can see that you're waking up a lot and it's bothering you. But for example, uh, they, if you, if, like, 
heart, people who have a heart attack, 50% of them are walking around feeling perfectly fine and then they keel over and die. Similarly, my, my old friend, Colon uh, Guala, who, who passed from colon cancer at a very young age, there are almost no symptoms unless you get it checked out. So just get yourself seen, see what happens. Even prostate cancer, almost the majority of people don't have any symptoms until it's spread. So it's not like you have, can just wait for something nasty to happen, mm. both in males and in females. You must just get yourself checked out. Doctor, I'm sitting with a little, a little curiosity. You mentioned the big five, and I must yeah. be honest, my brain went to like the Kruger Park, yeah. and I saw lines and all sorts of things. I'm not sure if I understood what the big five yeah. were. So just maybe high level, okay. take us through no what problem. are the big five? Exercise. And it doesn't have to be too much exercise, by the way. Data, we've got data which shows that even just three and a half minutes per day is more than enough if it's high intensity. It protects you from heart attacks, does everything excellent, improves your mood. Second, diet, not too many calories. Stop that, take calories. Smoking, number three. Just if you are smoking, please stop. If you don't, if you're making the choice, don't do it. Fourth, if you get stress, any form of stress, any form of pressure that you're on. And the fifth, any amount of excessive amounts of things like I, I have to use alcohol as, as an example alcohol in moderation it, it theoretically can help actually protect you from heart attacks and things but in excess it causes damage but anyways i'm going to probably get some feedback some, there are some people to say that no amount of alcohol is good for your health but uh i do enjoy my beer myself <laughs> thank you so much so i think we heard those big five again mm. uh, you know around exercise diet yeah. smoking stress and and some of the medications that we're taking in let's talk a little bit about our country as we bring this to a close um, if we're thinking about South Africa would you say that it, it there's, there's a higher prevalence of adult nocturia in South Africa compared to other countries if I'm listening to yeah. that big five list and I know that we struggle with yeah. some of those elements on there. That's true I, I think one of the biggest problems is that we don't have very good data in most of sub-Saharan Africa in fact a lot of places outside of the in fact even worldwide but I think the Short answer is that we, if we're going to like go back to the obesity thing, we know that our, our lifestyle is very similar to the Western lifestyle. And we know that's made big changes to health outcomes in general. And lots of issues why that happens. We know some of it's to do actually with changing the gut bio, the, the gut bacteria and this sort of thing. But if we were to, if I was to give a thumb suck, I'd say that it's actually at least the same as uh, any other Western country. You're looking at up to 60% of people having nocturia at some stage in their life after the age of 40. You can, sorry, you can, by the way, it can actually happen even in younger people. So don't, even if it's happening in the younger people, please do get it checked out. And it's mm. often it's more based on some other nasty thing that's going on. So do get it checked. But I think we in South Africa have got a particular problem because we, we, the we we're not taking control of our health we're not getting enough information out there and i really encourage everybody especially if they if they're listening to this podcast there are a lot of people who can't have access to the podcast take it to your relatives take it to the villages tell people if they mm. say that there's a problem there's things that can be treated and by the way all these drugs and things that we're talking about in treatments they can be got in state they don't have to you don't have to go to a private practitioner or to, uh, to any other, just the nursing sisters can generally do it as well. So I think we, uh, we, we, as I said, in 2012, we were number one in the world for obesity. It just goes to show how much we have not taken care of our health. Uh, the member, our diets as well have been very impacted and the poorer you are, we know that the less likely you're going to be getting nutritious foods and things like that. 
socioeconomically, I think that's a big issue. I haven't, we, this is obviously not the place for the podcast, but I think that's a big issue as well. We have to make changes for our society, mm. which are also going to then impact on nocturia and other medical conditions as well. Mm. I'm appreciating, you know, the, the mm. encouragement to actually spread the word. Yeah. Um, we're, we, we know that this might not get to everybody, mm. but, but certainly that those who do, um, you know, get an opportunity to listen to the podcast, to spread the word into, oh, yeah. into those who sit in more rom- remote right. parts of the country. Etc. So thank you so much. I think it has been such an insightful conversation. I certainly have learned to learn a lot. And, so. um, and to those who are listening as we wrap it up, really to say, you know, if you, if you listened today and you, and, and your sense is that you might be suffering from nocturia, uh, you can get help, uh, yeah. you know, seek out a professional, uh, who can assist you, uh, to get a very clear sense of what is actually happening. There could be an underlying factor which mm-hmm. needs to be addressed. So make sure that you do go to get yourself checked out. Once more, thank you so much to, uh, uh Prof. <laughs> thank you, so <laughs> thank much, you Prof Mutambira, uh, for joining us this afternoon. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you to Fairing as well for this. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the hashtag Fairing Pod. Join the conversation by following us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under Fairing South Africa. Have you been diagnosed with IBD? Download the Fairing IBD Health Diary app today. The Fairing IBD Health Diary app is available on the Apple App Store and the Android Google Play Store.